إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So we were in the chapter that we began, I think two sessions ago now, the chapter where it mentioned باب ما جاء في التغليظ في من عبد الله عند قبر رجل صالح فكيف إذا عبده The chapter regarding the severity of the affair of the one who worships Allah next to the grave of a righteous man. So what therefore if he actually worships him? And within this chapter we had mentioned some of the evidences so far. We had spoken about the grave of the Prophet ﷺ himself. And today we come to the hadith of Jundub ibn Abdullah. Muslim عن Jundub ibn Abdullah قال سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قبل أن يموت بخمس وهو يقول إني أبرأ إلى الله أن يكون لي منكم خليل فإن الله قد اتخذني خليلا كما اتخذ إبراهيم خليلا ولو كنت متخذا من أمتي خليلا لاتخذت أبا بكر خليلا ألا وإن من كان قبلكم كانوا يتخذون قبور أنبيائهم كانوا يتخذون قبور أنبيائهم مساجد ألا فلا تتخذوا القبور مساجد فإني أنهاكم عن ذلك So in this hadith reported by or collected by Muslim from Jundub ibn Abdullah al-Bajali radiyallahu anhu he says I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam say before he died by five but what does it mean that he heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam say before he died by five. By five years, by five months, by five days. What does it mean by five? Sinino Leali, anybody said anything else? So here, as Shaykh al-Fawzan, he mentions it could mean, يحتمل أن المراد خمس سنين. وَيَحْتَمِلْ أَنَّ الْمُرَادِ خَمْسْ لَيَالٍ That it could mean five years before his death, that the narrator is saying, I heard this narration from the messenger five years before he died, before the messenger died. Or it could mean five nights before the messenger died. And that is what a lot of the scholars mention, that it is in reference to five nights before the Prophet ﷺ died. 
And we heard a Sheikh Abdul Muhsan al-Abbad also indicate that this is in reference to a few nights, a few days before the death of the Prophet wasallam. And what was heard from the Messenger just before he passed away by a few nights? He said, إِنِّي أَبْرَأُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالْبَرَاءَةِ مَعْنَاهَا نَفْيُ الشَّيْءِ وَالْإِبْتِعَادِ عَنْهُ He said, I declare my innocence before Allah. I declare my innocence before Allah. And when you declare your innocence of something, it means that you are distancing yourself from that thing or that person. You say, I declare my innocence from him. Meaning that I distance myself from him, I have nothing to do with him. So here the Prophet ﷺ is highlighting that same meaning, that I am innocent in front of Allah. إِنِّي أَبْرَأُ إِلَى اللَّهِ That there should be for me, from among you, a khalil. And the khalil, we know that is from khullah, which is the highest level of love, to have a khalil, a most beloved, أَنْ يَكُونَ لِي مِنْكُمْ خَلِيلٌ مِنَ الصُّحَابَةِ فَلَيْسَ لَهُ مِنَ الصُّحَابَةِ خَلِيلٌ وَالسَّبَبُ فِي ذَلِكَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ اِتَّخَذَهُ خَلِيلًا وَالْخُلَّةِ لَا تَقْبَلُ الْاشْتِرَاكِ فَلَا يُمْكِنَ أَنْ يَكُونَ خَلِيلُ اللَّهِ وَخَلِيلُ أَحَدٍ مِنَ الْخَلْقِ لِأَنَّ الْخُلَّةِ لَا بُدَّ أَنْ تَكُونَ لِوَاحِدٍ لَا تُقْبَلْ أَوْ لَا تَقْبَلَ الْإِشْتِرَاكِ وَالْخُلَّةِ هِيَ أَعْلَى دَرَجَاتِ الْمَحَبَّةِ So the Prophet ﷺ was saying that I do not have a khalil from the companions and the reason behind that is because the Prophet ﷺ himself was the Khalil of Allah, the most beloved, the highest level of the love. He was the Khalil of Allah, just like Ibrahim ﷺ is the Khalil of Allah. As we say when we talk about the order of the Prophets and Messengers, the highest of all of the prophets and messengers is of course Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam because he was Khalilullah, the most beloved of Allah. And he was also Kalimullah, the one whom Allah spoke to directly. Then after him, the second is Ibrahim salam, and he has only one of those two characteristics. He is also 
Khalilullah. And then after that, Musa alayhi salam, because he has one of the two characteristics, only two. He is Khalimullah, the one whom Allah spoke to. So here, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself was Khalilullah. So now, it was not befitting for him to then in turn also have a Khalil from amongst the companions. Because that Khullah, when you have that level of the love, it cannot be shared or participated in amongst others. So with the Prophet ﷺ being the Khalil of Allah, then he himself never took anyone from the companions as a Khalil. And before we get any further, what about the title of the Prophet ﷺ, Habibullah? Often you hear that, Habibullah. What about that title? Is it okay to say Habibullah? Common or not? Common. Everybody says Habibullah. You hear the elders, the uncles, communities, different communities, they all use the term Habibullah. Nabiyuna Habibullah. So what do you think about that term? Is it permissible? Is it okay? Is it not? To say Habibullah. So what are you saying? It's permissible or not, or what? Not permissible? It's not the same level as Khalilullah. I'm not asking about any levels or anything. The question is very simple. Is it permissible to use the term Habibullah? Should we say Habibullah or not? Ijabat Mukhtasara. Want to put the video out? Yes or no? Everybody wants to be politicians. Give me a simple answer. Is it permissible or not? Habibullah permissible then? Well, Habib means beloved. Beloved. So Habibullah, the beloved of Allah. We just said now, Khalil, Khalilullah. The messenger is Khalilullah. And Khalil indicates the highest level of love. Habib also indicates love. But is it higher or lower than Khalil? We just said Khalil is the highest. So Habib also means beloved, but it's going to be a lower level than Khalil. So if the messenger is Khalilullah, then you are actually indicating a deficiency and a lower level than what the messenger has by saying only Habibullah. So it shouldn't be said. Habibullah isn't the term that should be used because you are using a term that is lower level, whereas the messenger has a term deserving of him that is higher level than that. Why would you pick the lower level term Habibullah, 
when the messenger has something higher than that, Khalilullah. So instead of saying Habibullah, you should say Khalilullah. Habibullah has a deficiency in it. It's a lower level of love. And the messenger has a higher level of love than that. And that's why some of the scholars, they mention it is not to be said Habibullah. You should say Khalilullah. That is the higher level that the messenger has. He is the Khalil of Allah. Why are you lowering it to Habibullah only? So then, Sheikh Al-Fawzan says, Ibadullah wa anbiya'uhu kulluhum yashtarikuna fil mahabba. The servants of Allah and His prophets, all of them have or participate in the love. فَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ So Allah loves those who repent, for example. وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَهِّرِينَ And Allah loves those upon purity and tawheed and cleansiness, purity physically also. وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَّقِينَ And Allah loves the people of taqwa. وَيُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ And Allah loves the people upon ihsan. So in terms of love generally, the prophets, the righteous believers, all of them are involved in that love generally from those different angles. A person is from the tawabin, a person is from the muttaqin, from the muhsineen, from different perspectives. A believer could enter into being from those whom are beloved to Allah. But as for khullah, that's at a higher level, a different level. The mahabba, then all of the prophets, messengers, believers as a whole could enter into the mahabba, into those whom Allah loves. But into the khullah, then only two have entered into that, into the khullah. أَمَّا الْخُلَّةِ فَهِيَ لَمْ تَحْصُلْ إِلَّا لِثْنَيْنِ فَقَطْ Only two people entered into that level of al-khullah. هُمَا مُحَمَّدْ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْسَلَّمُ وَإِبْرَاهِيمُ عَلَيْسَلَمُ كَمَا فِي قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى وَاتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلًا In the Qur'an Allah tells us, He took Ibrahim as a khalil. وَاتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلًا أَمَّا بَقِيَّةُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَهُ كَمَا جَاءَتْ بِذَلِكَ النُّسُوسِ لَكِنْ لَمْ يَتَّخِذِ اللَّهُ مِنْهُمْ خَلِيلًا As for the rest of the prophets and the believers, they love Allah and Allah loves them. But in terms of the level of khullah, then that is only for Ibrahim salam and Muhammad sallam. So the Prophet sallam said here, وَلَوْ كُنْتُ مُتَّخِذًا خَلِيلًا That supposing if I was going to have someone as a khalil, supposing if that was allowed and it was going to happen, and I was supposing 
going to take a Khalil to Abu Bakr Khalila. Then I would have took Abu Bakr As-Siddiq anhu as a Khalil because he was the most beloved of the people to him. Abu Bakr As-Siddiq was from the most beloved of the people to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And there are narrations highlighting clearly that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to love his companions. There are clear narrations where he mentioned that, where he said it to his companions, hadith uh, regarding Mu'adh ibn Jabal. The messenger said to him, Inni uhibbuka. That indeed I love you. So the messenger loved his companions and Abu Bakr from the head of them. And this is of course therefore a refutation upon the Rafidah, those who speak ill of Abu Bakr and Umar and others, radiallahu anhum. And they claim that only Ali is the one to be loved and only Ali radiallahu anhu has that station. Rather, this indicates, this narration, the messenger saying, if I was going to take someone as a Khalil, I would have taken Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiyallahu anhu as a Khalil. Why was he known as as-Siddiq? Why was Abu Bakr, radiyallahu anhu, known as as-Siddiq? What was the reason behind that? Anyone know? Hands up. Only one hand, two hands, only two hands, only two people know why Abu Bakr was called Abu Bakr As-Siddiq. Go on. What was he? What does Siddiq mean? Uh-huh. Good try though. Anybody else? Go on then. What is it? That he was very truthful in all his affairs, no doubt. But that's a general answer. There's a more specific one. With the messenger and the companions, he was very truthful. Still a very general answer. There's a more specific one. So on the night of Al Isra al Mi'raj. When the, oh, now everybody saying yes, yes, yes. <laughs> On the night of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj, when the Prophet ﷺ was taken up to the heavens, then when he returned, all of that happened in one night, was taken all the way to, Beit, uh, to Jerusalem, to the heavens, returned everything in one night. So the next day, when news of that spread, the mushrikun, when they heard that, and for them, it was a physical impossibility. How are you going to get from here all the way to Jerusalem or to the heavens, come back all in one night, he's back again? Physical impossibility in their minds. <laughs> so when they heard that, and they came across Abu Bakr that day, they said to him, have you heard what your companion is saying? Meaning Muhammad, وسلم, have you heard what your companion is saying? They were mocking him. He thinks that he went all the way to 
Al-Baytul Maqdis and then to the heavens and then came back, all of that in one night. They were mocking Abu Bakr. Have you heard what your companion Muhammad thinks he did? All the way to the heavens and everything and came back and he's here all in one night. So Abu Bakr Siddiq, when they were mocking him like this about the Prophet, he said, if that's what he said, then I believe him. If that's what he said, then I believe him. They were trying to mock him. He said, if that's what he said, I believe him. And then he added, he said, I believe him in affairs even greater than that. Meaning they were there trying to mock him over this affair. He said, even greater than those affairs, I believe in him. What's this you're trying to mock me upon, Yani? He said, I believe him when he tells me that revelation comes upon him from the heavens. I believe him when he tells me the revelation from Allah descends upon him from the heavens. I believe him in more than what you're claiming. And so from that strong stance that he took when the mushrikun were trying to mock him, then he was termed as a siddiq. He is the truthful one upon the haqq, defending the truth. He didn't allow the mushrikun to belittle him or the messenger in that way. He said, no, if that's what the messenger said, I believe him. And in fact, I believe him in even greater affairs than that. I believe the revelation comes down upon him from the heavens. And so he was a siddiq. So the Prophet ﷺ said, that, ah, so this is why everybody was giving the answer. Then it mentions Abu Bakr, kunyatuhu ammasmuhu fa'abdullah ibn Uthman. Abu Bakr, his actual name was Abdullah ibn Uthman, his actual name. Abu Bakr is a kunya, like Abu Muhammad, Abu Khalid, Abu Bakr, it's a kunya. His actual name was Abdullah ibn Uthman, and he was given the title of As-Siddiq due to his great amount of truthfulness, with Allah and the Messenger and the servants of Allah. That was the general answer and specifically regarding the night of Al-Isra' al-Mi'raj. So the Messenger said, if I was going to take anybody as a Khalil, I would take Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu as a Khalil. And this is one of the evidences that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu was deserving to be the Khalifa after Muhammad sallallahu because before the Prophet died did he explicitly like we say now write in the will that Abu Bakr is going to be the next person in charge was it ever written like that was there a hadith where the messenger said after me when I die it's Abu Bakr who is to be in charge was there anything like that there wasn't. So then how did they all decide Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu is the most deserving to be in charge? There were multiple evidences. The scholars, they highlight, there were multiple evidences, all of them culminating in this fact that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu was certainly the most deserving. One of them is this hadith. This hadith is one of the proofs amongst others that indicate he was the most deserving to be in charge after the death 
of the Prophet ﷺ. How does it prove that? Because the Messenger ﷺ is saying, if I was going to take one person as the most beloved to me, then it would be Abu Bakr, indicating his great level of virtue, his great level of virtue, and how the Prophet ﷺ saw him and the rank and station that he viewed him with, that if I was going to take anybody as a Khalil, it would have been Abu Bakr. So this is one of the evidences that he was deserving to be the Khalifa after the Prophet ﷺ. Another very big evidence that highlights that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq was the deserving one to be the first leader, the first Khalifa, is that when the Prophet ﷺ was in his final illness, when he was ill at the end of his lifetime, and on an occasion also, he was unable to come out and lead the prayer from his severe illness at that time. So who did he put in charge to lead the prayer in his place? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, indicating that he is the one with the superiority after the Prophet ﷺ. He was the one told to lead the prayer in his absence. So that's another evidence highlighting he was the one deserving to be the Khalifa after the Prophet ﷺ. وَفِي ذَلِكَ رَدٌ عَلَى الرَّافِضَ الَّذِينَ يُبْغِضُونَ أَبَا بَكْرَ الصِّدِّقِ وَيَطْعَنُونَ فِي خِلَافَتِهِ وَخِلَافَةِ إِخْوَانِهِ عُمَرُ عِثْمَانِ رضي الله عنهم ويقولون إن الخلافة لعلي بعد الرسول وإنما الصحابة اغتصبوها وظلموا عليا هكذا يقولون قبحهم الله فعلي رضي الله عنه هو الخليفة الرابع وهذا بإجماع المسلمين This is a refutation upon the رافضة who hate and detest Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, and they hate and they detest Umar and Uthman, radiyallahu anhum, and they say that after the messenger, without a doubt it was supposed to be Ali radiyallahu anhu, who was supposed to be the first Khalifa, and that Abu Bakr, and then Umar, and then Uthman, all of them, اغتصبوها, like they, they snatched it away from Ali. They forcefully took it away from him. It was supposed to be for Ali, but they took it away from him. Yani like, like with force, they took it for themselves and didn't let him have it. And all of this is false. All of that is incorrect. Rather, the messenger has affirmed his love for Abu Bakr. He gave Abu Bakr the leadership in terms of leading the prayer in his absence, and it is by consensus of the Muslims that the Khulafa, their order is agreed upon. There was never ever any difference between the Muslims about the order of the Khilafa. Agreed upon that the first Khalifa was to be, and deserving to be, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq agreed upon that after him it was to be and was Umar radiyallahu anhu agreed upon that after him it was to be Uthman radiyallahu anhu and then Ali radiyallahu anhu 
No difference in that whatsoever. The order of the Khilafah never had any dispute in it. But is that correct? Or was there some dispute somewhere? There was? Where? No, the Khilafah. So this is the point. In the Khilafah, there was no dispute agreed upon by the Muslims on that order. Nobody ever said Ali was more deserving to be the Khalifa first. Nobody ever said Uthman should have been the second one instead of Umar. Or that Ali should have been the third one and then Uthman the fourth one. Nobody ever said anything about the order. Agreed upon by the Muslims, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. Radiallahu anhum in that order. The only small difference and discussion that occurred between the scholars in the times of old was even though we agree Uthman absolutely was to be the third Khalifa, no dispute in that, but from the angle of virtue, could we say that there are more hadith about the virtues of Ali than there are about Uthman? Because there are a lot of narrations about the virtue of Ali radiallahu anhu, and maybe some scholars said there could even be more virtue for Ali than there is Uthman. Not that they ever said this is therefore a proof that Ali should have been the Khalifa. Nobody said that. They were agreed it is Uthman as number three, Ali as number four with no dispute in that. It was just a discussion that could it be that there are more virtues for Ali despite the fact that he was the fourth Khalifa and should have been so, but were there more virtues for him compared to Uthman? So there was a discussion and some scholars said maybe, maybe he has more virtue than Uthman. And some said no, Uthman has more virtue than Ali. And then in the end, as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned, in the end that discussion came to a close. Because in the end, all of them agreed that Uthman radiallahu anhu has more virtue than Ali. In the end, it was agreed. When they examined everything, in the end, the discussion came to a close upon their agreement that Uthman has more virtue anyway. He has more virtue anyway as well. On top of the fact that without dispute, he was the third Khalifa. So, these were some evidences highlighting that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu was to be the Khalifa. And it's a refutation upon the Rafida. And we've mentioned before, on numerous occasions, some of the types of acts that the Rafida get involved in. Some of our teachers in Saudi Arabia used to tell us at the university, some of the actual narrations that they have witnessed or heard of firsthand from some Shia, some Rafida. One of our teachers told us regarding a Rafidi family that the parents, they had a small child and that child, they uh, had purchased for the child a small pet, like a small guinea pig or a small rabbit or something. And so that child grew up with that rabbit, guinea pig, whatever it was, two years, three years, four years, from the age of 
two years old, three years old, the child grew up with his pet. Then after a few years, one night when the child was maybe a bit older, eight, nine years old, seven, eight years old, a bit more comprehension now, one night, and they do this, the parents, they went downstairs at night and chopped up the rabbit. Got a knife, stabbed, chopped up the rabbit in the, the rabbit pen or cage thing, left it there in blood, in pieces. So that, and then they disappear. Put the knife away or put the knife there, go back to bed. The child comes down the next day and sees all of this terrible sight. His pet that he's had for the last three years, four years, been chopped up in slices, blood everywhere, gut spilling everywhere, who knows. Then his parents, they come and the child is heartbroken, devastated. Six years, seven years, eight years old. So the parents, they say to him, our son or daughter, regrettably, it was Abu Bakr and Umar. They came last night and did that to your pet. It was Abu Bakr and Umar. They came last night and they did this to your pet. They were the ones who sliced it up and left it in the blood like that. Killed it like that and went. So now that child from the age of five, six, seven years old, grows up with a hatred against Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma. True story. This is what they do. Our teacher narrated it from true events that he was aware of with a family or something. That they will do these types of things to ingrain that hatred in the hearts of their children against Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma. So then, the Prophet ﷺ goes on to say, أَلَا وَإِنَّ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ كَانُوا يَتَّخِذُونَ قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ مَسَاجِدٍ And this is the point. He said, those who came before you, أَلَا This word in Arabic, حَرْفُ تَنْبِيهِ أَلَا Like you get somebody's attention. The messenger is getting their attention now. أَلَا وَإِنَّ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ Those who came before you, meaning the Jews and the Christians, they used to take the graves of their prophets as places of worship. Meaning, as we said before, they used to build their temples and their shrines and their places of worship on top of the graves of their prophets. And then the messenger said, Allah! فَلَا تَتَّخِذُوا الْقُبُورَ مَسَاجِدٍ Again, Allah, to get their attention. Like we say, listen, do not take the graves of the prophets or any graves as places of worship. Do not take them as places of prayer, as places of worship. ثُمَّ لَمْ يَقْتَصِرْ عَلَى ذَلِكَ And then notice, the messenger didn't just finish the advice there, finish the hadith there, don't take the graves as places of worship and leave it. He added on even more emphasis. After telling them, do not take the graves as places of worship, for indeed I prohibit you from doing that. That extra line at the end is further emphasis because he's already told them, do not take the graves as places of worship. The prohibition has been established. 
but then to emphasize even more ala fa inni anhaakum an dhalika for indeed i prohibit you from that this is an emphasis upon an emphasis and the meaning of taking the graves as places of worship that you take them as places where you pray even if you don't physically build anything on top it doesn't mean that you have to build a mosque on top or build a temple or whatever on top physical building doesn't necessitate that if you go there and pray at that place you have taken that place that graveyard that grave as a place of worship as a place of prayer and the second meaning can be physically as well building um, uh, temples or places of worship or mosques on top in both ways it's haram and impermissible in case somebody says the narration is only about physically building a mosque on top of the grave we haven't built anything we say even if you haven't the fact that you go there and worship there is you taking that place as a mosque because even in the ayah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights about the mosques being for Allah alone. What's the meaning of the mosques being for Allah alone? So one of the tafsirs of that is the mosques. The mosques are for Allah. And the other meaning of it is your body parts. Your body parts are for worshipping Allah alone, not to use them to worship others. So one of the meanings of not taking those graves as places of worship is to physically build mosques and temples, etc. Do not do that. And in this context to the Muslims, the mosques do not build mosques on top of the graves. And the second meaning, even without building anything there, 
Do not take those places as places of worship that you go and pray there and do worship there. And the Sheikh mentions at the end, أَوَّلُ مَنْ بُنِيَ الْمَسَاجِدَ عَلَى الْقُبُورِ كَمَا يَقُولُ الشَّيْخِ تَغْيُ الدِّينِ هُمُ الشِّيعَ That the first people, أَوَّلْ مَنْ بَنَى الْمَسَاجِدَ عَلَى الْقُبُورِ The first people to build mosques on top of graves, they were the Shia. The Fatimiyun from the North African areas, Egypt, Morocco, that area. The Fatimiyun after the time of the Salaf. In the generations after them, they were the first of the people to build places of worship on top of graves. And then the misguided individuals, those like the Sufis and others, they then followed them in that practice and began building mosques on top of graves. So that is perhaps the narration will end on today. We have one more session left on this chapter to conclude it, inshallah ta'ala. We'll do that the next time. Any questions up to there then? It is permissible to say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for other prophets and messengers too. It is permissible, but it is uh, the way of the scholars, how it has occurred, and it's been mentioned in the hadith in al-Bukhari about the meaning of sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that is something that is done for the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and as for the rest of the prophets and messengers, just say alayhi salatu wa salam alayhi salam. But it is permissible. It's not impermissible. To use that for other prophets and messengers though. Anybody else? Al-Habib uh, al-Sayyid. Sayyid, there is a chapter which is going to be completely on the topic of Sayyid. The Sayyid, linguistically in Arabic, it refers to the person in charge, the, the, the leader. And they, they use that as a phrase sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we're gonna, we, inshallah, we, there's a chapter which is going to discuss all of that. The hadith and everything on Sayyid. So we will do it inshallah ta'ala when it comes to the chapter. Anybody else? What's the difference Fasik and Fajr? Fasiq and Fajr, both of them, they are the kinds of terms whereby if they are used independently, they generally refer to the same thing. A person who's a sinner, a wrongdoer, upon corruption, upon evil. Independently, they both indicate that same kind of thing. But when they are used together, you could say that perhaps they have slightly different meanings. Fasiq, they say from Fisq, Al-Fusuq, is the meaning of Al-Khuruj. So the Fasiq is the one who has exited from the worship of Allah. Fisq, meaning khuruj, the one who has exited from the worship of Allah. And Fajr, I don't remember the asal of it, but there'll be another asal which has a slightly different meaning to it. And so you have a slight differentiation. But when they are used separately, then they both refer to the same general thing, the wrongdoer, the, the one upon corruption.
It was known that the Arabs generally, they had respect for the good manners and etiquettes and certain types of morals in society. They had respect for those types of things. Even the Prophet ﷺ before the Prophethood was known as the Amin, the trustworthy one amongst them. So for those kinds of characteristics, they were known amongst the Arabs. Uh, for example, uh, hospitality. Hospitality was a characteristic of honor that was known amongst them. So there are certain characteristics that were known amongst them anyway. So when Islam came and affirmed and approved all of those characteristics and the companions were at the forefront of those good characteristics, then that was something the Quraysh weren't going to be able to deny. The good characteristics and etiquettes and morals was something that were generally known and understood to a degree, to a degree amongst them anyway. So they would have to affirm that goodness. Anything else? Alright, we'll conclude upon that. Resume next time, inshallah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.